Welcome to the Nest and Nurture podcast. I'm your host and psychotherapist, Leisha Cash. Now let's get this therapy session started. Hi, and welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I had originally thought I was going to do a meditation because I've had this flow of basically an episode talking about content and then a meditation. So I had initially started this episode very differently. And as I was discussing some of the concepts behind mindfulness and meditation, I went into a world that I wasn't expecting and decided to talk a little bit more about perfectionism and how we can actually find that in our meditation practice and self-care. And this all kind of came up because I often feel that when I'm talking about coping strategies or talking about filling people's cups and what makes you you and how do you restore yourself and fill your cup, there's a lot of feelings around doing something well when we're doing that. And if we're not, then it's not necessarily filling our cup. And I often talk to women about how we in the moment get overwhelmed or overstimulated and it results in anger, frustration, snapping, which then leads to guilt and shame and all of those things. So I decided to redirect this session, this episode, to discuss more about being less judgmental of our meditation and mindfulness practice by integrating breath throughout the day in the simplest way. And in doing so, we have filled our cup a little bit and we might have more capacity to manage our emotions as well as help others around us regulate. And it's really important to think about breath as a way to regulate our emotions, but also to do it without judgment. So if you're somebody who says, I don't do meditation well, you know, whether it be that you can't be focused in the moment or that you get on a good path of doing it every single day and then you slip out and then you feel like you're not doing the work, this episode is for you. If you're somebody who feels like they get overwhelmed in the moment, get triggered, and then they it results in behavior or an action or something that you say or emotions that you just don't really enjoy, this episode is for you. I'm going to talk a little bit about perfectionism in this process of mindfulness and why we want to get it right and start to try to remove that judgment and saying, let's just start with the basics, five simple well-intentioned breaths as our meditation practice, maybe weave it in more often than we might have normally done. And if you don't do it every day, that's okay. But because it's so short and sweet, it's easier to integrate into our life. And then we may start noticing how often we're dysregulated, what the triggers are, and start self-regulating in the moment so that we don't necessarily hit our breaking point, that we get to it before the breaking point, if that makes sense. Usually we're burnt out when we hit our breaking point, and these restorative, well-intentioned breaths can at least buffer some of that, maybe delay the burnout as we try to integrate more self-care into our life, filling up our cup a little bit more. So now that I've reintroduced this podcast, I'm going to get right into the episode with the rest of the content that I kept from this. 
and I hope that it is helpful in some way. So here we go. Sometimes I talk to clients and they say, I'm not good at meditation because I can't stay focused. And my daily meditation, I try to dedicate 30 minutes. And I say, just wait a second. If you can take five well-intentioned breaths throughout the day where you actually pull yourself back into the present moment, that's okay. That's doing a good job. That's meditating. Sometimes we don't have 30 minutes to sit there and go inward and internalize our experience and do breath work. Sometimes we have 30 seconds between transitions. Sometimes we hear our baby wake up from a nap, maybe an hour early, and we need a moment to take a breath. So although this podcast should be dedicated maybe to a 20 to 30 minute meditation to make it worth your while, I wanted to come on here and talk about why breath work is important. And then I want to do just a little short meditation for everybody here that might not have time for a 20 or 30 minute meditation, this one is for you. And if you're gonna come back to it, then of course skip through all this banter. But ideally, this isn't even something you really need to listen to in order to do this meditation. It's just a simple reminder. So why do we struggle with meditation? Probably because we feel like we have to perfect it. And I remember I took a course in my master's program that required us to be much more open to abstract thought. And for any of my friends that were in school with me, especially one, Taco, you'll know and remember that I really struggled with abstract thinking, which for me is funny because I'm Aside from doing this work, I'm very much a creative. Like, I really enjoy the arts. I'm a singer. I write music. I am very crafty. I do a lot of DIY stuff. And so abstract is is part of my language. But I'm learning that sometimes when it comes to academic abstract, it's not. I prefer concrete thought processes and I prefer theories that have been in the works for a long time that have steps and that's why a lot of my podcasts are kind of like here this is a concept or idea and here's some things you can do in order for how you can feel better and I find that to be more helpful so I sat in this class this abstract thought class which talked about I don't even I don't even know if I can explain it here because I could not grasp what we were talking about. And I talk about perfectionism. Well, let me just admit, I am a self-proclaimed perfectionist. And my goal in my master's program is to be on the dean's list. That was kind of like one of the things that I thought was really important at the time. It's definitely down on my list now that I've had children. (laughs) There's much more challenging things in my life, but I was really, really, really trying. And I'm a student that really needs to put effort in. I'm just, I'm, 
academically smart, but I really have to study and I don't naturally absorb things. So I really have to work towards my grades. And so this class was going to be the death of me. Like essentially every week I went and every week I regretted taking it. But I took the course specifically because the professor was amazing and she worked out of a children's mental health clinic and we got to go to this the classes and we got to watch family therapy happen in action which I found very interesting but on the other side of it was this content that wasn't necessarily related to family therapy as much as I thought it would be and it was completely out there for me like I just couldn't get it And it was based in mindfulness and meditation. And so every single class, we would have a moment or a few minutes or five to 10 minutes of meditation. And the whole time, I couldn't focus. I was really, really focused on doing it right. And I was still trying to (laughs) decode this professor's theory and concept and methodology and I just kept thinking what is wrong with me that I can't get it and my friend Taco was in the class and she got it like she was getting like A's and A pluses on her papers I'm pretty sure if I can remember right and I was just like you gotta explain this to me and she would say it and I'd be like yeah I think I get it but I didn't. And to this day, I don't get it. And I actually had to go back to that prof multiple times to say, okay, this is what I'm writing in my paper. Am I completely missing the mark? And it was, yes. So I feel like it is a weird thing for me to now start this meditation telling you that I was not understanding aspects of meditation in my master's program, but it kind of brings up this idea that there is this perfect way of understanding a concept or trying to do your best and feeling like you're not and it being really frustrating. And so when I say this doesn't have to be perfect, it genuinely doesn't. You aren't getting a grade for this like I was. (laughs) I did end up getting an A in the course, I think just because the prof was so clear that I was trying so hard. I made it very clear that I was really, really trying to to do well in this course. Um, I should have picked something that was an easy course, but this was just something I was really interested in. And it really frustrated me that I couldn't get it right. Um, But as I've come out of that space, it just wasn't resonating with me. It was just something that wasn't resonating with me because it's not the way I viewed meditation and mindfulness. And I would love to revisit it now that I've been practiced for a while to see if I can re-engage with the content, but I really don't think I can. So with all of that to say, if you're still here, I... I want to really stress with these meditations and going forward in your practice, in your life, through, you know, any kind of these podcast episodes when I'm talking about practicing and thinking and processing, it is not easy to be perfect in any of these things, right? And it can feel frustrating 
in therapy when we are really trying like you're coming to every session you're writing notes you're taking it out and you're saying i'm going to work on myself i'm putting in the time i'm putting in the money i'm putting in the effort and i'm here to work and it feels stagnant at times and we feel stuck or things in our life aren't changing And it's really easy to get down on ourselves and say, what am I missing? What is going on with me that I can't grasp these concepts that Leisha's talking about in therapy? Or I can grasp them, but in real time, I'm not putting them into my life. I'm not able to apply it. My brain is taking over. And although I said I wasn't going to snap at my husband, I'm snapping on him. Or although I said I didn't want to yell at my kids, I'm yelling at them. And we do the work and we come to session and we try really hard and we're not meeting the mark. And like anything else, you know, life takes over in certain moments. And we can't always process in the moment. We have a lot going on in our minds. So when you're thinking about meditation and practicing breath work, I want you to remove this concept of perfection. I want you to take away this idea that if you don't do it every single day at 7 a.m. when you open your eyes and you can't turn off your thoughts and you feel very distant from the practice that you're doing something wrong and that it's not working. I say if you start a meditation and you can't get your head in the game, stop utilize another coping strategy maybe having a glass of water outside is something better for you in that moment maybe instead of your 20 minute meditation you go for a quick walk around the block if you can't leave the house maybe it's skipping the meditation at 8 a.m and doing a coffee instead so noticing when it's beneficial and when it is not is the biggest piece It can't be forced if it's supposed to be self-care because that takes away the whole benefit, right? A lot of the time I'm talking to clients about finding coping strategies at work and at some points in their life, certain coping strategies have worked, certain tools or certain things that they enjoy, things that used to fill their cups, certain self-care activities no longer serve them when they used to. And it can feel really disheartening. It can, it can make you stop for a moment and say, what is going on with me that I used to really enjoy doing this and now I'm dreading it. And I felt that way about certain things in my life too. And still we do them because they are part of our routine or we have no choice. But with meditation or filling your cup in some way, if it's not serving you, it's not serving you. It's actually taking away from your cup. So shifting that focus a little bit and saying, why is this no longer serving me? Is it because I'm trying to make it perfect? Am I trying to make something fit because it makes sense? Because everybody says mindfulness and meditation is something that I should be doing, that I should be doing that internal work. 
but then I'm sitting here and I'm feeling like I'm wasting time because I'm doing my to-do list in my mind instead of being present and using my breath to focus. Sometimes in sessions, I really am clear about what kind of methodologies I utilize and the fact that not everything works for everyone, right? Some people just don't want to do mindfulness. They don't believe in it or they find meditation unhelpful and that is okay. But it's also okay that it's sometimes helpful and sometimes not. That maybe you're having one of those days where it feels like if you went inside and did the meditation, you'd fall apart. Maybe not to distract yourself, but maybe a run or a workout would be better than a meditation. I have some other clients that say, if I don't make it part of my routine, it doesn't happen. And that is totally fair. But I always suggest having alternatives just in case, because it's good to schedule in self-care if it doesn't happen otherwise, or filling your cup in some way and gaining back capacity. That's so important. But if it is taking away from you, just because it feels like a task that you have to cross off your list, have an alternative backup plan that's in place if you can't do the meditation that day. If you feel like if you go internal in that moment before you start your work day, you won't get to work and feel okay, you'll actually feel worse. Or if your children are awake and they're running around you and you feel like, I, how am I supposed to do this self-care moment right now? I'm literally trying to keep the world together. Then it's probably not a great time. With that all being said, I feel that it's really important to say in the chaos of everything going on, deep breathing, intentional deep breathing is so important. I've been doing a lot of work with my four-year-old right now about um, just emotion regulation. She's more sensitive, caring, soft, kind of passive child, and she's very social, kind, smart, but she picks up on a lot of things around her and she's obviously she's four, right? She's going through a huge transition, going to school and she was totally ready for school. I was not concerned at all, but I've noticed just the intensity that is going to school as a four-year-old and being away from her sister who has basically been by her side since the pandemic started and her trying to navigate all of these things and sometimes because her sister is very vocal (laughs) opinionated and she's 21 months sometimes my daughter my oldest doesn't get all of me right she's having an emotional moment her sister's having an emotional moment I'm helping her sister self-regulate and she is still looking for some help self-regulating so I've been doing more work with breath And just reintroducing, taking a breath. And it is noticeable in those moments that even I have to take a breath. Me teaching her to stop and breathe is forcing me to also say, Leisha, (laughs) you feel dysregulated right now by your child reacting emotionally because you are trying to get the kids out of the door so that you're not late for school again. 
and you have one kid who won't put their shoes on and is screaming and you have the other kid who wants her tiara in but she can't find it and you're feeling really dysregulated by this moment because the priority is getting out the door but you have a lot of emotions (laughs) coming your way so I'm telling my oldest to take a breath I'm telling my youngest to take a breath but she's you know in her own little world and then I'm like take a breath Leisha you also need to do it and those humbling moments (laughs) remind me that I have to remind other people to do it too and I can say it to my clients you know every single session but I also have to practice what I preach and in those moments I am mindful of the fact that that's not the first thing that comes to my mind. The first thing to come to my mind is get these kids out the door. What do I got to do to get this, these kids out the door? And I immediately revert back to like my childhood, which was like, Lisha, hold it together and, you know, stop crying and we got to go and the priority is getting out the door. And that's that old school mentality of kind of containing and, you know, feeling better immediately. But I have to remind myself that that's not how I want to parent Um, and no fault to my parents at all. It was just the way of the world at that point. Um, But I immediately kind of revert to that mindset because it's the easiest route to go, right? It's easy to say stop and not say, oh, I'm being triggered by my child's emotions right now. I'm going to stop. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to take a moment and then I'm going to tell my child to do the same doesn't mean that the behavior or the response or the feelings are going to stop for my child but maybe they can self-regulate they can watch me self-regulate and then they can self-regulate too and my toddler there's just (laughs) there's no hope in this regard we say it but it's um that's a work in progress right so in saying all that it prompted me to think about this episode if i'm a therapist doing this work all the time, telling everybody to take a breath and I'm forgetting to do it, then this is your reminder to do it. And it's also mine. It's so important to find ourselves in those moments and say, what is going on? Why are you dysregulated? Probably because you have two kids that you're trying to get out the door and you're at no capacity because you probably haven't done much for yourself this week and you're tired and it's really hard juggling emotions that are all over the place let alone your own so i offer myself some kindness and compassion because we can easily go into guilt and shame land but i'm not going to do that at least that's what i'm telling you in this podcast but then i give myself a moment and i say okay I'm going to take a breath. And sometimes it's helpful to kind of remove yourself from that situation. So I might go into the kitchen. If everybody's safe in the foyer, I might just walk around, take a deep breath in and release. And I might do that five times. And then I go back in the room and I say, okay, oldest daughter, take a moment and take a breath. It's kind of like similar to the life vest scenario on the plane. I need to give myself a breath in order to help my child self-regulate. And sometimes, I mean, we have to leave to go to the bathroom before we go because, you know, 
we got to make sure our children have gone to the washroom. And so that's sometimes the moment as well where I say, okay, why don't you go to the bathroom, take a breath. We'll revisit this in a moment. And it also removes my daughter from that moment of upset or panic or, or whatever she's going through to, re- to reframe her brain to say, okay, I have a task to do. It's not distraction as more so just kind of moving her physical body without also derailing our schedule to leave the house. It's part of our routine. And while she's doing that, I'm also self-regulating. And then we come back together. We take a couple more deep breaths. We get a hug. We do a little repair moment. And then we head out the door. So that's just an example of how I have to rein myself in in certain moments and notice the breath and help my child. But it's also a moment of saying, it doesn't have to be a 20-minute meditation to, to kickstart your day. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be a silent room with a candle on and your favorite cup of tea. Even though I love to do meditations like that and I love to offer that space to do so, It could just be a quick breath. It could just be a well-intentioned quick breath. Sometimes I remember as a child and even now, I I take a huge breath (laughs) in moments of upset. And sometimes my husband will be like, are you good? Or if he goes, I'm like, are you good? Are you frustrated? And it's usually, it is a frustration breath. It's not a restorative breath. So that's my next point. Noticing when you're taking a big frustration breath, either to vocalize frustration to your partner or to your children or to yourself. Does it feel relieving? Maybe. But is it restorative? Is it restricted? Or is it actually allowing oxygen in to replenish your body and get your brain moving and to reframe and reset in that moment of frustration. I would argue that most times it's probably not that restorative when you're doing a frustration breath, but it does help you get oxygen to your brain to say, okay, how do I feel about this? And then it could take you into the next breath of saying, okay, I'm going to do some mindful reset breathing, some intentional breathing. So noticing those moments, because that's the sign. That's the sign we need to do the self-care. I often say to clients, okay, what are your, what are your, what's going on for you right now? And they list all of these kind of symptoms of everything that's going on for them right now. And I say, okay, so your body is actually trying to tell you to take care of yourself. This is your body saying, Hey, I've hit capacity. I don't have what it takes to take care of myself anymore. Can you do something to change that? Those chronic headaches? Probably a sign of burnout. (laughs) You know? Probably a sign that you have not taken care of yourself. So these breaths in frustration, these sighs, these deep moments where you're like really in it and you have to take a breath to reset may be a sign that you have to take a few more. Maybe remove yourself from the physical space, go into another room, and take a breath. So it's important to notice, even in those circumstances, our body. 
building mind-body connection, which we weren't taught, really. I mean, some people were, as they grew up, their, if their parents were well-intentioned and well-informed or really noticing, and they really actively trying to do emotion regulation. But nowadays, it's much more concrete. It's not this abstract thought. It's more discussed and people are more aware of it and we're more interested in developing those skills with our children just because we have that information we've seen the effects of not having emotion regulation and we want to make change so in order to do so in order to teach our children that we want to also embody it oh you seem really frustrated right now you took a frustration breath Maybe you need to take a couple more breaths so that you can calm your body after. Maybe that was a breath made in anger and we want to start to slow down our breath, be well-intentioned so that you're breathing with less intensity in a negative emotion. Not even a negative emotion, emotion that might not feel so good. So... Noticing our own breath and when our body is trying to give us a sign that we need to take a minute and then also teaching that to our children allows for more breaths in that space, right? But it also gives us the capacity to manage their emotions or to help manage their emotions. So as we move into this small, brief moment of breath, I want you to think about those things. What are some times throughout the day where you might actually benefit from that deep, well-intentioned breath, but only have about 30 seconds to a minute to do it? For me, it's early morning, getting kids ready for school, getting toddler and child ready for school, and the intensity that comes with that. I think also pick up. when I have to take my baby from her nap and rush out the door and try to be on time for pickup. I never want my child waiting for me. I also notice deep breaths needing to be happening around witching hour because we're still in that where the children are hungry and dinner's not quite ready. And maybe bedtime routine. That's a big time with a lot of emotions and tired children where I might have to say, I'm going to take a moment to take a breath. So noticing and thinking about when those times often occur is important because then you can do that work in the moment without having to hit your breaking point. And that's one of the things I like to weave into sessions often is, what are the triggers? How do you notice you get there? What are the steps that lead to that? And more often than not, I have clients saying, you know what? I don't notice I'm there until I'm there. My husband doesn't notice I'm there until I'm crying and I'm in my breaking point and I'm not a crier. And he's like, whoa, is everything okay? (laughs) And so a lot of my work with clients is trying to scale it back and say, how do we notice this feeling? And how do we notice this moment without hitting our breaking points? How do we self-regulate or attune to our needs, build capacity, reset, recharge before we get to the point where we're snapping, angry, crying, 
sad. You know, these are all emotions that are normal and all those things, but sometimes it's like, oh no, I can't get anything done beforehand because I'm hitting my breaking point and saying, oh, I'm there. Usually there's moments and triggers. And sometimes there isn't. Sometimes it's like a poor night of sleep. You're having a good day and all of a sudden something happens and then your day's ruined and that does happen. But there are moments where we could probably say, okay, this happened, then this happened, then this happened, and I hit my breaking point at this point. Did you breathe? Did you take well-intentioned breath during all of those little moments? No, okay, maybe that's why you got to that breaking point earlier than the end of the day when you might have normally had it. Because all of these things stacked up and we didn't take a moment to reset or even just do any emotion regulation. One of the other things I like to say when we're doing these moments of breath is to notice our shoulders, our chest, our jaw, all of our trigger points. So if you've listened to any of the other meditations in the previous episodes, you notice that body scanning and intentional breaths in tight, tense, painful places in our body is so important. So to add to this mix, and again, no perfection needed. If it doesn't happen, it's okay. But if you want to up the ante with these well-intentioned breaths, you notice, where am I feeling tense? In those five deep breaths that you're taking, where am I feeling tense? Am I feeling tense in my jaw? Am I feeling tense in my shoulders? Am my shoulders completely up where I'm literally shrugging my shoulders, (laughs) which happens all of the time and we just don't even notice? How about my pelvic floor? How are my glutes? Are they really close together right now because I'm squeezing. How's my chest? Oh, is it super tight? Do I need to actually do a pec stretch? So in those five well-intentioned breaths, I want you to notice your body because like I said a couple minutes ago, our body is giving us signs that we are stressed, overwhelmed, about to hit our breaking point. Our breath is giving us signs. Maybe we're breathing really quickly. Maybe we're breathing really slowly. Usually that's less likely. But we're not in tune with our breath. We're taking breaths of frustration. And our body's tense. And then we snap. And we're like, how did I get here? I seemed like I was having a pretty good day. I mean, it was a hard day. Did it take any moments for myself? Probably not. So these are the things I want you to include in this process to our five well-intentioned breaths. So I'm going to review the tasks for you. First up, I want you to take some time in the next few days or whenever is convenient for you to think about times of your day where you feel the most triggered, where you feel the most overwhelmed. Maybe it's morning, morning rush. Maybe it's lunchtime after school, after work, end of day, waiting for your husband to come home from work, after a nap, before a nap, dinner time, dinner prep time, bath time, before you get into bed or when you're laying in bed. Find your trigger points. And there could be many, many throughout the day, unfortunately, but hopefully not. Just notice. And if you don't have the answer, 
that's the task to start paying attention to those triggers and those moments. Sometimes it's not even necessarily a, a task that's involved in these moments. It's just simply the time of day. So if your children have been up for 12 hours, maybe that's the time. Or if you've been up for 12 hours, maybe that's the time. So it may not be necessarily triggered by a task or an event. It could just be time, time spent in an activity. And then I want you to take it to the next step and saying, okay, so now I know my potential triggers. I'm going to start breathing or doing intentional breath before I hit my breaking point. So we know that morning rush is a trigger, for example. So before I even get my kids downstairs, they've got their clothes on, they're brushing their teeth, I am breathing. I'm taking my five breaths. And then we go down the stairs and we get their shoes on and all that stuff and we get them out to the car and I'm taking five more breaths. That was hard. So it's almost like sandwiching breath work between the hard tasks. And noticing how your body's doing in that process. Are you tense? Is your heart racing? Are you feeling relaxed? Maybe that's not a triggering moment. Did the breath help you feel better? Did it relieve some tension? What are you noticing? So we're knowing our triggers, trying to integrate breath before we get overstimulated. And then we are noticing, is there any shifts? Does this feel good? Do I have more capacity? Because our brain likes evidence. We like to know what we're doing is productive. But I feel like That is why this method of breath, intentional breath, is so beneficial because it's not 30 minutes where we can feel like, oh my gosh, I just ended my meditation. I was not in it at all. I couldn't connect and I've wasted 30 minutes of my time. It was so unproductive and I don't even feel better. It's like, no, you only took about 30 seconds to a minute to take five well-intentioned breaths, reset and continue on. That's not a waste of time. It's a productive use of time. And we're breathing all day. It's so easy for that to go unnoticed, but intentional breath can change your day. These are simple things you can do throughout the day to reset, to refill your cup, to have capacity. And I'm not talking about like, it's not going to fill your whole cup, but it's going to add maybe a couple ounces and subsequently teach your children how to do the same can articulate what's going on in that moment. Mommy's just going to take a breath right now because I'm feeling a lot of emotions. This is really stressful. So I'm just going to take a moment and take a breath. I'll be right back. I'm just in the kitchen. Just give me a minute or not even announce it and then come back in the room and say, mommy just needed to take a couple minutes to take a couple deep breaths. Why don't you do the same? Do you want to try what mommy just did? It made me feel so much better. And modeling that behavior and self-regulation, it does wonders for our children. So even if they're not able to do it in that moment, having that kindness and compassion for them to say, I get it, it's hard. But then trying to readdress it later when they're able, when they have more capacity as well. 
If it's hard for us, it's hard for them. If we expect ourselves to be perfect at these things, they may do the same depending on their personality type. And just letting them know that it's okay if they only have space to do three breaths, that's okay. So this is what the breath would look like. And I love it because it's short and sweet. Just what parents need and people who are busy and just anybody that's needing a really quick reset throughout the day. So you would find a space that feels better than the space that you're in. And if it can't be changed, that's fine. You could be in a meeting with your eyes fully open, sitting there listening to a presentation and you can do these breaths. So if it feels good, you can close your eyes, but if you have to keep your eyes open, that's fine. And I want you to breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. And we're gonna do it five times. And while we're doing it, I just want a simple reminder to pay attention to the breath. Notice your chest rising and falling, or if you like to do belly breath, do the belly breath. Notice your tummy rising and falling and notice where the tension is and release it. I like to put my hand on my chest. I like to put my hand on my belly. That grounds me, it centers me, it makes me become present. And I like to breathe into those spaces because sometimes I need that tangible feeling of breath to really pull my focus in. Otherwise I might be looking around the room being like, oh my gosh, there's that thing that she needs to take to school. I can't forget it. I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to ground and center. My feet are going to be on the floor, my hands on my chest and my tummy, and I'm taking a well-intentioned breath in through my nose, out through my mouth, 10 seconds each, if it feels okay. So let's do it together. Five breaths. First breath in through your nose. And out through your mouth. In through your nose. Out through your mouth. Release tension as you breathe in through your nose. Out through your mouth. In through your nose. Out. In through your nose. And out through your mouth. I feel centered. <laughs> I feel grounded. I feel like I could take on a child that's screaming. 
I feel like I could use three of those breaths to do that. Sometimes even one. One well-intentioned breath that makes me turn to myself and say, how are you doing? You need some oxygen. You're holding your breath. You're exhaling really heavily with anger and frustration. That's not changing anything. It's a labored breath, does not feel good. This is mindfulness. This is being mindful and intentional with your breath. You don't need 30 minutes. You don't need 10 minutes. You can do it in five breaths. And that's sometimes what we need as humans, just to grasp onto a short, quick fix. (laughs) And it doesn't always work. And it doesn't always erase everything. The things that are triggering you are still potentially there, right? Our child may still be screaming at the end of that. But I feel that in most cases, you'll have the capacity to walk back in that room and manage it more than you would have prior to the breathing. When I talk to parents about rage and moments of snapping and regret, we talk a lot about repair. But it still lingers with us. It's still something that we often carry, feel sorry for it happening, don't want it to happen. And this is usually the first place I like to start. First, I talk about burnout and capacity and normalize and give kindness and compassion and grace because we can be the best parent and still have moments where we get upset with our children. And we'll talk about positive parenting in another podcast episode and all my feelings about it. But I often start with, take a moment, take a breath, collect yourself, brush away any shame, guilt, negative feelings about yourself for that moment. Maybe you got upset. Take the breath, take five, and then enter again. Do the repair if you feel you have the capacity to. Sorry, mommy was upset for a moment. Have a lot of feelings, feeling a little frustrated because this morning is taking a really long time to go to the door. Do you need to take a couple breaths? Would that be helpful? And then we'll try to tie your shoes again. You did the repair right in that moment. You had the capacity to do it because you took five seconds for yourself. If you're five minutes late for school because you had to do that, that will feel not so great, but it would probably feel better than if you screamed at your child and then felt really bad about that and then sent them off to school and then sat there feeling bad about it for the rest of the afternoon. And I say this with so much kindness because I am there with you. I really don't want my kids to be late for school. And I'm using this example, clearly that's my trigger right now. (laughs) I mean, it's what, week two or three and we are still trying to figure out our life here. And I've asked a couple of people like, does this get easier? Um, I'm not sure if it does until they're doing it themselves, but I feel like with teenagers, you're still also like trying to get them out the door and drive them and all of those things. So I might be in this for a while. So I'm gonna be taking a lot of breaths Now, this went a little bit of a different direction than my usual podcast. I kind of just winged it today because I had a lot of these thoughts and feelings about how do we reset and recharge. And I feel like when I have clients come to session, they really want change, 
right? They're either there to have a space to share and be able to offload and, and not be impacting, or I'm going to use their word, burdening anyone else with their stuff or, and, or, because some people do both, they're there to work. They want change. They want tools. They want, they want to feel better. They don't want to feel guilty and shameful, and they don't want to get upset with their children. They want to get along with their husband and they want tools. And it starts with simple. We scale it back and start with the basics breath. And we start with the least judgmental breath. Five deep, well-intentioned breaths that don't require a 30-minute gratitude journal, 30-minute meditation, 30 minutes of trying to feel better when we don't feel we're doing a good enough job. Five breaths is foolproof. And taking it as many as you want, really. But we'll start with that. I hope you found this episode helpful in some way. I hope you can take that five seconds for yourself, but you deserve so much more. So if you've hit your limit and these don't seem to be doing anything for you, it's a sign that you don't have the capacity because you're probably burnt out and you need more than just five seconds of breath once in a while. You need a lot more. Not necessarily a 30-minute meditation, but something genuinely that's going to fill your cup. You deserve it. And in case someone hasn't already told you today, you are amazing. Thank you so much for listening. Take care. Bye-bye.